Welcome to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here today. We're grateful for the members of the Emerald Brass Quintet who are with us today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Don comes from the tradition of celebrating uh, Reformation Sunday every, time, every year. This is the 499th anniversary of Reformation Sunday when Martin Luther went and stood up to major powerful religious authorities at the time and said, we've really gotten out of control. We've really gotten the message twisted of what we want to do. And so today as we celebrate Passionate worship is part of our series of our five practices. We're going to talk about children, we're going to talk about Reformation Sunday, and we're grateful for your participation in worship. To start off with radical hospitality, we're going to uh, hear an announcement from Erin. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight. I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here, and I just wanted to remind you all that if you would like to join us for supper at 6 this week, that's this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, today is the deadline to register um, to RSVP to us about that dinner. So the easiest way probably for you to do it is just to write in your roster as you mark your attendance that you'd like to join us. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, this time we're going to be thinking about thankfulness with Thanksgiving uh, approaching. Uh, so Reverend George Strait will be preparing us with a few words um, so that we can adopt thankful hearts in this season and every season. Um, we'll also be handing out thankfulness journals. Um, the youngest to the every age can have one of these. Um, I know some kids uh, like to draw pictures. We could do pictures of what they're thankful of, but these thankfulness journals, I encourage you all to take one and write something each day in the month of November that you give thanks for. The menu is turkey and dressing, wild rice and chicken, mac and cheese, lima beans, roll or cornbread, and strawberry or coconut cake. Children will have either turkey or pizza bites, mac and cheese, fruit, a roll, and chocolate cookies. And yes, if you were counting, that's three dessert options we're having this month. So that's one thing to be thankful for. <laughs> um, the cost is $8 for an adult and 6 for a child. And um, we really look forward to having you all join us. It will be in the um, FLC gym. And next month, we're excited about as well, we will be making Advent reads. Um, for each family can make one and take it home. And we'll give you more information about that soon. If you have a farm or land or just trees um, that you might be able to help us gather greenery for that event. I would love to hear from you um, so that we can have enough greens uh, to make Advent wreaths for each family that wants one. Thank you. I'm going to call on Don Lewis. Don's Sunday school class has had a tradition for a number of years that falls in a category we like to celebrate risk-taking mission and service. Joe invited us or challenged us to act like his dog several months ago and, and uh, pull at the leash in serving the risen Lord. And so I want to invite you to pull at the leash uh, to, to serve the risen Lord in a way that is unique for memorial. Two things, two invitations. Invitation number one is associated with what Joe just mentioned, the Sunday school class that I'm involved with, Foundations, has been doing for over 25 years, uh, Thanksgiving food distribution boxes. We send those to families of children, with children, 
with the, the names of the children coming from the local elementary schools guidance counselors and teachers who obviously know best. So we take those boxes out with children helping carry boxes. So the first invitation is associated with this project. It is to one, uh, help us with donations. We, got, we try to gather 80 boxes, $45 per box. If you're willing to buy one or more or part of one, that would be helpful. Or two, if you're willing to come out on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, about an hour after our consecration Sunday dinner, uh, bring your family, help us deliver some boxes. Your kids, your grandkids will never forget it. My kids will never forget it and you can make a difference in the lives of some young families. Second invitation is associated with the, the Hunger Walk, which is uh, uh, the Merle State 12th Annual Hunger Walk to, to benefit Daily Bread Ministries. This will launch from the parking lot next door at McCluskey Todd, just like the soup kitchen in Greer launched from Memorial United Methodist Church in 1992 with Merle State, one of our long gone members now, but a saint who put it together and, and made it work. It continues to work all these years later. And this year we've just begun the, uh, the ministry associated with families who have children, who are homeless, who don't want to be. So we have several people in our congregation who are very, very active in the restoration of families focusing on children. So if you're interested in some children-focused Thanksgiving activities or support that you can give, those are the two invitations. And I, we, on behalf of both Daily Bread Ministries and Foundation Sunday School class, we thank you for your continued support. Thanks. Thank you. It is a crazy time of year. I'm going to call up Ken Owens for a last announcement. Kenna is our chair of Staff Parish Relations, which is the HR of any United Methodist Church. And she has a fun new announcement. We said goodbye to Paige last week. We're still on saying hello this week. Good morning. I'm gonna ask Katie Kate to come up and stand with me for a few minutes. Last week, we said goodbye to Paige Brooke, who was our Minister of Youth. And this week, I would like to introduce you to our new youth coordinator, Katie Kate. Now, when we knew that Paige was leaving, our committee began discussing how were we going to fill this position. And this process took a lot of time and research because we knew how very, very important this role is for our church. We believe that we've come up with the perfect candidate. Katie has served in churches both professionally and as a volunteer since the year 2000. She has taught in child care programs much like our CEP for eight years. She was an administrative assistant for two years at St. Mark United Methodist Church in Greenville. She has been a volunteer in children and youth ministries in every church that Joe has served. She has also been working behind the scenes since Joe has been here quietly serving. Now we're going to bring her out. 
um, she's going to be responsible for providing all of the planning, recreation, communication, and travel scheduling for the confirmation and youth programs. She will work closely with Joe as he provides all of the lessons for these two programs. She is a part-time employee, and she will be in the office here at the church on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, in addition to being here all day on Sunday. Katie has already been working for several weeks with Paige, since she, and she's been heavily involved in this program already, so we know that this is going to be a smooth transition. Please join me in welcoming Katie Kate in her new position as Youth Coordinator. Oh, mercy. We've had, um, I've had tremendous young, uh, uh, right out of college students for youth leaders a number of times in there, uh, so lively and, so, and connect to the kids. What I've never had is a mom who knows the schedule of a mom, who knows every single detail and planning mapping out. And so I'm, uh, I'm very excited uh, to, I hope that's it. We've done a number of transitions in, and I'm happy with all of them happy with all of them and uh, I hope that's it my goodness um, a number of things pay attention to your bulletin um, uh, pay attention to the website and see all the exciting things that we have going on the hymn is going to start but I'll ask you to remain seated until the choir stands they're going to tell us what to do
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 65, verses 1 through 8, that can be found on page 900 of your Pew Bible. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O oh, you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O oh God our Savior the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, that the turmoil of the nations, those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
goodness. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for this worship service in which we may gather in Your house. At times we feel wounded. At times we feel hopeless. At times we feel as if we have a decision in front of us that we cannot win. At times we see people who are broken but feel like we can't change anything. We lose the ability to exhibit compassion because we're tired ourselves. But You gather us here. You gather us here to transform our lives, to heal our wounded souls, to renew our hope, to shape our decisions, to provoke change both here and outside these walls, to inspire compassion, and to bind us to one another. Use these elements in our service, Lord, to pick us up, to pull us together, to inspire us to act. Lead us and guide us as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For the next three weeks, we will have consecration speakers telling us about their commitment to our church and why it matters to them uh, to uh, encourage us all in this consecration season. So I'm going to call up Ms. Harriet uh, to speak to us, but before, as she's coming, I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and hand you a card. For right now, I want you just to hold on to it. So twice in the same month, we'll hear from the Straits about commitment to church. Are y'all committed? Help us. Help me. Are y'all are committed, right? Yeah. As a very young child, I learned a little ditty. A ditty is really a poem that's meant to be sung. And with apologies to the choir, I'm going to tell you how it went. Today is Sunday, today is Sunday, Sunday's church day. Is everybody happy? Well, I should say. Today is Sunday. Sunday was a very special time in my life. As a young child, I was born and for my young years, I lived in a very small town. They used to say that on Saturday nights at midnight they rolled up the streets and nobody was out until it was time to go to work on Monday morning. But going to church on Sunday is what we did. You had to make a choice. You were either a Methodist or you were a Baptist. And I was raised in the Methodist church. Every Sunday before I went to Sunday school in church, I was given by my parents a small amount of change. It was not a lot of money, but I knew what my instructions were. Part of that went into the little basket 
in my Sunday school room. The rest I put in the offering plate during worship. I remember being uncomfortable and a little angry because my parents would not let me handle the offering plate when it came down the, the row, down the pew. I'm sure they were afraid I would drop it and the change would go all over the floor. Even today, George and I have made a habit of going, when we go to church, that we use these little envelopes. They are given to every family in our church. And I know this doesn't work for everyone. Um, there are lots of ways you can give to the church. Here we can even give online now, which is something that would be very foreign to me. However you give to the church, it is very important that we, you and I, that we give. George and I do not give to the church because we think we're good. Giving to the church does not make us good. We do not give to the church so that we can be warm on cold days or so we can be cool on warm days. We give to the church because we have first been blessed. And we believe that it, it is part of our commission that other lives will be blessed too. We've been reminded that in just three weeks, three Sundays from today, we will be having Consecration Sunday. At that time, you will be asked to try to make a pledge or at least to say what you would hope and think that you could give to the ongoing of this church and of religion, of worship, of faith, of good living. We hope that every one of us will consider what we will give between now and then, that we all will make a commitment. George and I plan to be here on Consecration Sunday. I hope that all of you will be too. Thank you, Miss Harriet. You have a card, and that card is very simple. We have a celebration dinner on November 20th. It's free of charge. It's following this service, although this service will be at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary on November 20th. And we'll have a celebration lunch in the Family Life Center. And you are saying, if you know today, yes or no, so that we can uh, know every single person on the roster whether they plan to come or not. Our uh, program team is uh, coordinating with Don and the uh, um, uh, Thanksgiving collection to also make that whole day um, be a great day of uh, generosity and Thanksgiving. Uh, so I hope that uh, you can put that on your calendar and plan to come. I hope you can put in the card that you can come and if you'll put that card in the offering plate. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And uh, just as Ms. Harriet said, you can give in the plate or you have instructions in your bulletin on how to give online.
please be seated. I want to thank all of the musicians for all the time and effort and heart you've put into preparation for today. Thank you uh, all for participating. I want to welcome Dr. George Owl here today. Uh, Dr. Owl is here with um, Harriet and George. He's our district superintendent of the Greenville District and is here for charge conference directly following worship. Our leadership is, I've encouraged you to stay right after worship, um, are, welcome to, are encouraged to stay, and uh, anyone is welcome to stay uh, directly following worship for charge conference. It's where you go through a number of elements of paperwork celebrating this past year and projecting uh, for next year. It's an important meeting for any United Methodist Church. We're looking at Matthew chapter 21 in your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 21. And that. Is on page 1532 in your pew Bible. 1532 or in that neighborhood. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can keep your Bible open if you'd like to continue to read along. The critical, the critical issue in this moment is restoration. That's why people are going there. That's why people want to worship there. Some people go to the temple once a year. Some people get to, get to get to go there once in their life. And as they're going, they ritually cleanse themselves from the journey. They make their way in and then they buy things in order to sacrifice them because that is the practice of the day in order to restore your relationship with God. So the intent of believers, the intent of the system is to repent. I'm sorry for the way in which I came up short. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I left unsaid. To sacrifice to God. And to say, this is my new covenant. This is my new pledge, my new response to the thing that you have offered me. This love and this opportunity that you have offered me. To renew the covenant. But the practice gets warped, unfortunately, in two really important ways. It gets warped in more than two ways, but these are two really important ones. One is the people say, well, we can do whatever we want because we can just go sacrifice something. We can go say whatever we want. We can go do whatever we want. We can ignore anything that we were supposed to do because on uh, Saturday, we'll go sacrifice. Or on June 27th, I'll go sacrifice. Or um, when I go five years from now, I'll go sacrifice. And we'll call it even. That kind of mentality on the part of humanity caused one of God's major prophets, Isaiah, to utter these words right off the bat in Isaiah. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Now that'd be a hard thing to hear. It'd be a hard thing for a parent to say to a child, wouldn't it? It'd be a hard thing for a child to hear from a parent. But if a parent set forth a structure and a plan for what we were going to do and the child ignored it every step of the way, but brought a piece of candy or brought a drawing or brought something every single time and said, here, we can call it even now, right? I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. That's one way it gets warped. The other way it gets warped is with the religious leadership. 
when they want to turn it into a profit, when they want to use it as a source of power. If we own the right to forgive, and if you have to come to us, well, my goodness, that's a lot of power. And if there are people selling things on the way in, and those people are making a tremendous profit on people who are coming to reestablish their relationship with God, on the one hand, it would be quite profitable. On the other hand, it's horrific. One of the troubles that Martin Luther had was a religious institution saying to its people, we're not sure if your loved one who is now deceased has made it yet to heaven, but if you can give us a little bit more, you know, maybe we'll make that happen. That is horrific. But it's what happens when that power gets in the hands and they get accustomed to that power and then they want the authority and then they stay dictate what's going to happen. Martin Luther stood up to them and post, you know, now um, someone would post it on social media. He goes and he writes his 95 theses. He posts them right on the front door. Here's what's troubling about the practices between God and God's people in terms of restoration. It matters for people's livelihood, these financial practices that are going on. So when Jesus comes in and flips the table, that's serious trouble. It's also interesting the fact that he was so peaceful so much of the time that in this case, he did a very violent act. I typically, in most uh, meetings, am pretty calm on the surface. One time in my last appointment, I actually lifted up a table and dropped it before I could think not to do it. I lifted it up and dropped it. And um, my senior minister, who comes here quite often now, is even more, I'm a live wire compared to him, publicly. He looks over at me like this. <laughs> but it was because in a conversation that was already convoluted and in the 40th, 45th minute, I thought, we're not gonna resolve this. An individual said, well, really, I don't think y'all thought about this thing. <laughs> so then we went through that whole thing and mapped it out and put it on the dry erase board and cut it into little pieces and then said, okay, that's how we're going to do it. And then the person said, well, no, I wasn't really going to do it. I just think y'all hadn't thought about it. Bam. <laughs> it's shocking when a person who is typically physically peaceful becomes uh, violent. So this person has now messed with our religious practices, with what we're doing to make money. And he, we also owe these Romans over here that really the only thing they ever want is more money, more taxes to feed the beast. He wants to renew the standard. This will be a house of prayer and you will find clarity about God's will in this temple. That's what Jesus wants. In verse 14 it says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. I had to look that up. I figured it was grumpy, but I didn't know the specific why they were grumpy. Strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting, or base. They thought he was the one violating what the temple should be. They thought the children proclaiming and shouting that he was the son of David was completely blasphemous. You know why it matters to be the son of David? 
King David is one of the people that everyone draws back to to say that was the time when we were amazing. Why? Because they dominated so often militarily. They built so many amazing structures. They were winning. And you know what? People like to win. And so to say that he's the son of David, capital S, capital D, is connecting Jesus to that lineage of the Old Testament to they, of which they say, no way is he connected to those people. So the people who need to be healed just need to be healed. I'm not sure they said thank you. If we look at some other parables, 90% of them struggled to say thank you. But the children get it. So as we look at our five practices these five weeks, we're looking at texts in which children get it and children are setting the tone. If you ever see these words, say, how was worship? It was amazing. The children were shouting throughout worship. Anybody ever said that? No, you say the children were quiet. We were very reverent. But in this text, the children in the worship space are shouting, praise be to the son of David, the one who's here to restore us. And the ones who should recognize all of that, who should be authorities on the text, who should be driving people to the will of God, have no joy. Instead, they think this is beneath them. It's not something that they should be doing. They're saying, not for me, not up to my standards. In verse 16, they said to Jesus, Do you hear what the children are saying? Yes, he replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. He's saying, you know, they're saying to him, you know these children are saying you're connected directly to God and to David. My goodness. And he said, yep. Seems like the children are the fastest ones to get it. So we might ought to be asking, what are the children saying? What are our children saying? What do they feel about worship, about God, about church? I'll give you an example from this week. I'm teaching the Boy Scouts in a um, faith merit badge. And last week, they were insane. They were crazy. They were live wires. I expected it was like 6.30 for a second grade boy. I mean, how's that going to go? But then this week, they retained a ton of it. It's amazing what they told me from what I said last week. I said, I have no idea that you had that. So I said, so let's look at this week. And a child who said, last week, we don't attend church. Not in a hostile way. He just said, we don't attend church. He raised his hand because he was in it last week. He was interested. So this week he says, can I ask you a question before we get started? Yes. He says, why does God decide that some people go to heaven and those people go to hell? I said, well, let me take what I was going to do. Are you kidding me? I said, that's, I'm not mad at him. I'm heartbroken that his experience of God is that God says, uh, heaven, hell, heaven, hell, heaven, hell. That's his experience of God. I said, buddy, let me tell you something. God loved you before you ever did anything. God loved your parents before they did anything and their grandparents before them and the first humans that ever were that he loved them before they did anything. God loves you and wants you to respond. Now, humans, 
Humans are the ones that reject God far more than God rejects humans. I said, tell me about your grandparents. You ever go to your grandparents? Yes. I said, do they give you an extra cookie? Mm-hmm. Let you watch extra TV? Mm-hmm. Go to bed later? Right. When they ask you to do something, do you do it that second? No. No. I said, that's an honest answer, and I'm grateful for it. I said, did they offer you love first, or did they offer you rejection first? Love. I said, did you listen to them and do exactly what they said when they said to do it, or did you reject them first? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) True. I rejected them. I said, imagine how a grandparent feels about you, and it's a little more than that. That's how God feels about you. To hear a child say that the number one thing we need to do more than likely is avoid going to hell is to know for a fact that we need to say more about what passionate worship is, what matters. So here's a quote from uh, Bishop Snazy in his book. God uses worship to transform lives, to heal wounded souls, to renew hope, to shape decisions, to provoke change, to inspire compassion, and to bind people to one another. God, through Christ, actively seeks relationship to us through worship. So here's my commitment. That our leadership will be thinking about ways to do all those things because we know that all those things matter to you. You may not know that they matter to you this second because you may be focusing on one. But figure that our texts and our songs and our proclamation and our sacraments and our planning of worship services will be designed to connect you to God to renew that covenant. Because our children need to hear God loves us before we ever did a thing. And our response to that is the difference in how this world changes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join me for number... Stand now, now, right? Yes. Yes? Stand now for number 529, How Firm a Foundation.
Emerald City, thank you for being here. Choir, thank you for working so hard uh, for this Sunday. It's great to have uh, Dr. Al here in worship with us. He actually is the first district superintendent I've had that I was in a relationship with before. He was my district superintendent and this intimidating figure. I've gone to him for um, uh, advice for eight years when we've met uh, for um, various conference activities. And I said, hold up now, how do you do this? And then he tells me I write it all down. So um, grateful to have him in the Greenville district. He's uh, he's a great mentor of mine, and will care um, greatly for this district. So we will have charge conference in here. Um, we'll say goodbye like we always do, and bring a table in and meet in here. So if you're a leader that's going to stay, if you'll just remain and then come forward at the end, and if we'll leave the soundboard on uh, for the meeting. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.